Hey, hey, what's going on, everyone? So welcome to the first real episode of Invisible Brown. So today we're going to get into a couple new things. So I'm really going to get adjusted to this whole podcasting thing. And I'm really going to try to be specialized about how I'm going to really structure everything and how I'm going to go through stuff. So considering it is the very first real episode, I think I'm going to start off with one of my true passions. So today we're going to go over a couple topics. So I'm going to run through those right now. So first off, we got iPhone 11 rumors. Then we got the future of competitive gaming. League of Legends and its place in society currently. Is Pokemon making a comeback? The Democratic Race? And we're going to close off. So, sit back, sit tight, and I hope you get a little bit of positive energy out of this one. So, one of the things I really grew up loving was consumer technology. I don't know if it's because I was like blessed as a child to have a good enough childhood where my parents could afford to give me the newest things all the time. But it definitely was a big part of what I explored. I used to love to learn how to build PCs after a long time. I used to really love love and enjoying uh, building circuits, going to robotics classes, stuff like that. So, you know, it's really always been a foundation for me. And so one of the things I really love, or maybe recently started loving, was Apple. But after these recent iPhone 11 rumors that you may or may not have heard of, I'm not too sold on this stuff anymore. So let's just go through a couple of them. So we found out that they're going to continue the same model of having three iPhones just as they did last year, presumably called the iPhone 11. That's not confirmed. We don't know that yet. But, you know, it's Apple. They're not really too creative when it comes to their naming features. Um, We see the camera now being a large square, kind of looks like a bunch of alien and spider eyes. Looks a little bit intimidating on the outside, I'm not going to lie to you. And they're kind of moving away from that circle design, but, you know, it's Apple. They're gonna, they need something to make their design look a little different, make sure that people can differentiate their iPhone 11 from iPhone XS or otherwise. How are people going to buy their shit? Okay. And so we have that. So we have the three lenses on the back being the standard telephoto and ultra-wide. You know, good selection, pretty, pretty, re- pretty reasonable selections. But we do find that they are going to be removing 3D touch and... I, for one, am pretty disappointed about this. 3D-Touch is a pretty convenient way to get to some useful links, like creating a reminder, creating an event in the calendar, uh, putting a tweet out. It's really useful for a lot of things. And as a consumer, I just think that, isn't it worth it just to add just that little bit of thickness in order to get the things we like? Like extra battery life or 3D-Touch. I think most of us would be willing to add 5 millimeters onto our projections in order to get that, but... It seems like even that much, the fact that they can't brag in their keynote about making it thinner and thinner is most likely the reason why they don't continue to do this. And I think it's worth it for them to go with a more flush design in the camera so there's no camera bump. And also to expand memory, expand RAM, expand battery life, and more more importantly, possibly get touch, possibly get fingerprint in the glass and get that 3D touch back. Anyway iPhone 11, I'm not sure if it will be too much of a bigger upgrade from what we're getting on the iPhone 10. I personally have the iPhone XS, and it didn't make me bat my eye when I saw these specs, unfortunately. As someone who loves technology, it's I would like to see it, you know, continue and continue. Apple being a trillion-dollar company, you would think they have the funds to innovate more and, you know, create that little bit of extra step. But, 
unfortunately, it seems like Apple continues to be more of a design company than an actual real manufacturing company, with its screen still coming from Samsung, and all of its parts just getting assembled together at, at Apple. Anyway, into the next topic. Um, and as you're going to realize throughout these podcasts, I'm going to try to keep it a little bit of shorter style, just so, you know, young people, you just need to listen to something and go... Ideally, I'd like you to be listening to this in your subway ride, and we can keep going from that. I really like to add effects. I'm getting off tangent. Whatever. It's fine. Now we're going to talk about the future of competitive gaming, and specifically one thing. You know, competitive gaming, something that wasn't too interesting, uh, you know, back in 2007. I wasn't even watching it until around 2013. That's when Call of Duty Black Ops 2 World 2, uh, Black Ops... What the fuck? Call of Duty Black Ops 2 World Championship started. And, you know, it was streamed on Xbox. It was super easy to access from the home menu. That It was like a no-brainer as to why I wouldn't try and use it. So I gave it a whirl. It was Envy versus Fariko Impact in the finals, I believe, for $400,000. Very interesting to look at. And this was back in 2012. And now the most recent thing coming from 100 Thieves. So, 100 Thieves, um, founded by one of my idols growing up, and that would be Nadeshot, it's, it's an interesting company. It's a, it's a company that really was recent in competitive esports, only started about two years ago, when most of these companies have been out for over eight, nine years. 100 Thieves has already gained two major investments. The first major investment they gained was, I believe, $25 million million with an M dollars from Scooter Braun and Drake. So just imagine having that sort of street cred as a gaming brand, reaching that hip hop fashion that most gamers love and investing into an esports company. So they're already doing good there. And then recently they raised in a series B funding round, they raised $35 million. Think about that number. Evaluation of over $160 million for that company started less than two years ago, all due to the personality of one Matthew Haig Nadeshot. It's the true story of someone really coming up to the top and showing what they can do simply through having an online presence and having a media presence. I know, you know, he started off, he was the really, he was the first biggest Call of Duty, uh, Call of Duty video game streamer online. He was the first to a million subscribers. He had Red Bull sponsorships. And all of a sudden, he retired. And a lot of people were wondering what he was going to do next. And then 100 Thieves really changed the game. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar, what 100 Thieves has done different is they've done limited supply, uh, supply drops. Just like you've seen with Supreme, with Kith, they've done limited drops and things like that to shred the market, to make their apparel and make their stuff so highly valuable. You go through their Twitter replies, and every single comment is wondering when the next apparel drop is going to be, wondering when they can get the latest merch. Because I believe in the last drops, in I believe five minutes, they sold half a million dollars worth of supplies completely sold out. And to have that type of revenue from a company, absolutely insane. Now we find out with that $35 million that they're going to be expanding into the retail business. They've opened a huge headquarters in Los Angeles of the first esports team to have official retail business. This is a game changer, guys. Game changer. I'm really looking forward to see what they do with this retail space once it opens up. Hopefully we can continue. 
some things that I would love to see in esports were bigger orgs embracing their esports. And what I mean by this is that the uh, the owner of the Warriors or the Houston Rockets, they have esports teams. They're, you know, they founded heavily or sorry, invested heavily into some teams. What they need to do is they need to use their publicity, use the reach that they have, and really get the word out for some of these teams. I know that would help a lot of these smaller teams by, you know, gaining more fan support because whenever you go to some of these more established games like Counter-Strike or League of Legends, you'll see the TSMs, the Cloud9s, the CLGs, they'll be chanting the entire time, but you won't really hear many fans for the smaller teams. And that's something that can be changed which if just the owners of these teams devoted a little bit more time and spending into increasing this brand. Anyway, next thing I want to talk about right now is League of Legends. And League of Legends specifically and what it's going on right now. So League of Legends, one of the biggest video games um, up until now. It's uh, as you know, it's five on five. You're trying to you're trying to basically destroy the other team's base. I'll just keep it simple like that. League of Legends reached its peak of publicity in late 2014, early 15. This is when Korea was on top of the League of Legends market. You know, they were winning the world championships. They had all the best talent, the best players, the best coaches, the best training. No one could dethrone Korea. It wasn't until around now that we've seen more balance in the in recent League of Legends, where we see North America and Europe really start to come back and even out the playing field, with Europe winning one of the first international tournaments that I can remember in a while, with Korea and China participating. Um, but League of Legends, ever since late 2014, has been going down in publicity. And, you know, for a game that's as established as League of Legends, I don't know what they really can do in order to, you know, gain the players back or gain the popularity back. It's that type of game where... If you've wanted to play it already, you have played it. You know, you're not going to realistically join this game after you've already decided not to. Because it's the type of game where you know on first glance whether you're going to like it or not. And the fact that the game is still the same, obviously, it's the type of game it is. You know, they're not going to change the map, obviously. They're not going to continuously change it like some shooters like Call of Duty and things like that. But... I do like what they did recently with Teamfight Tactics, how it's just a different style of play. They also had a ranked mode now. I like that, but one thing I don't like is I don't think it's enough. Teamfight Tactics isn't monetizable enough, so you know that's not going to be something that they're going to continue to support. It's not something that it can be used competitively. It's not something that can continue to be you know, used in the long run because it's so much of randomness. It's so much of... I just hope that I have the Wild Sorcerer next term. Um, but, you know, League of Legends, I, I want to see where it goes in terms of its quality and how it's going to retain its fans. But, you know, I hope to see how it uh, changes from there. Anyway, so I think this is going to be the end of our first podcast episode. I know I had two more topics I said I was going to run through by the beginning of this episode. But I feel like we've really got some good stuff out. Ideally, I'd like to keep these episodes under 12 minutes. I know that 12 minutes is a good amount of time for, like, get to one subway stop or another, or, you know, do some stuff like that, or just enough time to fall asleep. You probably don't want to be falling asleep to this, though. (laughs) Anyway, so, um, what I want you guys to do is, if you're listening to this, and I hope you are, because I would love to get this word out and really love to share my passion as well as other passions, in an upcoming episode, we're going to have a bunch of guests, we're going to have 
um, a girl that I know is one of the most passionate people al alive right now. She's working for the Cory Booker campaign, and I know she has a lot to talk about that. Um, I have another friend that has a very reputable business in Hawaii. It's just, there's a lot of cool people, and there's a lot of cool stories and experiences to be shared, and I'd love to share and talk about the news that relates to these experiences. So, anyway, I hope you enjoyed. If you do, please like this podcast on whatever medium you're listening it to. Um, follow me on Twitter at Brown Invisible, and yeah, um, hope you continue to listen, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for sitting down with me and be passionate.